Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barard. I'm your host, Michelle Barard, founder and CEO of Urban Book Editor, and I am very happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. You guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to say thank you to my guests on the October 11th show, leadership coach Latoya Gadsden. You can connect with Latoya on LinkedIn and other social media. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the October show, at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is a really important message, guys, and I really hope you'll share it with the youth. But it's not just for the kids. We grown-ups also need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, I know I mentioned at the end of the October 11th show that we'd have author and speaker Sherry Hill for this episode, but we decided to switch the schedule up a bit and have Sherry Hill in November. Don't worry, though. We have another wonderful creative for tonight's show. I am super excited to introduce Tammy Hobson also known as Sefa Noir. She was reared in the suburbs of northern New Jersey, where she did all the right things and followed every societal rule, moving through life, doing the expected, college, career, family. Today, she's a single mother, HR professional, and dedicated daughter. She holds a bachelor's degree in accounting and an MBA with a focus on organizational development. Hobson currently serves as Vice President of Human Resources for a $500 million a year physician group. However, beneath those responsibilities beat the heart of a passionate poet and a student of black culture and eroticism. After a trip to a local bookstore in 2010 left her feeling unrepresented when trying to find a gift book about black romantic love, she began the journey to create one. As a longtime lover of poetry, sonnets, and great photography, Hobson chose to use these elements to create her first collection of poetry. Safa Noir uses written and photographic imagery to explore the depths of passion, dedication, dominance, submission, commitment, and unrequited black love. 
So I'd like to welcome Tammy Hobson to Somewhere in the Middle. Thank you, Tammy, for being on the show. Thank you, Michelle. I'm excited to be here. Well, I don't know if you have heard, but I like to start my interview with two questions. And if you're ready, I will ask you those two questions. Go right ahead. All right. Well, Tammy Hobson, who are you and how did you become who you are today? Wow, that's a really great question. Um, I think who I am today is probably not who I was yesterday or definitely not who I'll be tomorrow, I'm sure. Um, but right now, I'm a single mom, uh, work in the corporate world, and now a new author of poetry. Um, how I got here was a very long process of witnessing um, a beautiful love between my mom and dad and, and a lot of aunts and uncles and people that surrounded me and falling in love with words and wanting to try to express that beauty uh, in the form of poetry. And uh, words have always meant so much to me that they just sort of carried me my whole life and, and, and now I'm taking the opportunity to put them on paper. Cool. Cool. Well, how did you fall in love with words? What what caused that? Uh, I have a really great mom who really believed in vocabulary. And we had a giant Webster's Dictionary that sat in my living room um, all through my childhood years. And every day, it was a requirement of my mom's that I had to look up a new word and learn a new word every day. And I sort of became fascinated with it and uh, began to look up words, whether it was in English, other languages, just trying to find new ways to describe things and, and just sort of became fascinated with language. I think that's so funny because I used to just look stuff up in a dictionary just for fun. I'm like, I am like the biggest geek. Uh, <laughs> which it's now fun. that's it's not really great. <laughs> Being a geek is not a dirty right now like it used to be. <laughs> No, not at all. Now it's great. I mean, you know, the dictionary is a great thing to read. You'd be surprised. Well, I think it's fascinating because you also learn kind of where some of these words come from a little bit. Absolutely. You know, you don't just learn the actual word. You learn about the root and where, and it helps you understand the language better, which I think helps you communicate significantly better. What, do, what are your thoughts on that? I think you, when you have a chance to really look up origins of words and, and, also, um, one of my favorite things is to look up words, like I mentioned, in other languages that maybe don't describe things that you have in English. Um, and you see, like, the, this, the obscure definitions behind things. And then you say to yourself, well, maybe it doesn't really mean what I thought it meant. And it really gives you this sort of perspective to stand back and sort of um, look at what you're saying. And maybe, am I really communicating what I think I'm communicating? And uh, I, I, I find it fascinating when you do that. Well, and the other thing about other languages is I think sometimes there's a lot more nuance in other languages than in English. English sometimes feels a little sterile, I think is a word that I want to <laughs> use, compared is, to other well, it's, languages. What do you right, think? It's not quite as colorful. It's not quite as colorful. Um, uh, and one of the words that I, I always tell people about that I love is 
um, the Portuguese word saudade, which um, means the thing that I love so much that's not in my life anymore, but causes me like this beautiful pain, like that memory, that oh. person, that sweet romantic um, place you want to be. Like I, I look, I think about it, but it just gives me that little bit of pain. So that's what I mean. So there's so many beautiful, colorful words, whether it's in um, Portuguese or Japanese or, or German even, which people tend to think is, you know, very cold, but it actually has some really great words too. So it's it's fun to look up. I love a thesaurus, love um, other dictionaries. It's fun to look up. Now that's a great word because the closest I've come to anything like that was to miss someone deliciously. Right. Well, that deliciousness is, in Portuguese, is called, you're calling someone your saudade, that thing you yearn for. Oh, that is beautiful. That is absolutely yeah. beautiful. And, and that's what I think I and mean. And I'm sure everybody's had one. I think everyone has had one, but, but the question was, how do you communicate that? You know what I mean? How do you communicate that to someone um, that you love them? and you miss them, but you almost enjoy missing them on a certain level. Like it's, it's, right. it's a beautiful type of missing. It's a beautiful type of missing. It's that, it's that yearning, that longing, even when you're with, still with someone, but maybe you had that great moment and you just want to get back to that moment. It's that, it's that desire to be there and be present again and experience it all over again. Okay, you're going to have to tell me how to spell that word. So how do you spell this? I'm going to go look it up in you know, as soon as I get sure. here. <laughs> it's, it's S-A-U-D-A-D-E. Okay, I love that. Sodadi. Okay. Sodadi. I love learning something new. Thank you. I feel like it's a good day when you learn something new. So you have just made my day. That's fabulous. So Oh, great. <laughs> Tell me about your poetry. So you're a poet, you love words, you've published a book of poetry, and you focus on the love, but Black love in particular. So what's the nature of your poetry and what distinguishes it from other poetry that you've read, for example? Well, I think... I guess maybe I should start a little bit with why I wrote the book, um, just so that you have a bit of a frame of reference. So I went wandering through a bookstore um, looking for a gift book for a friend who was getting married and didn't want to just, you know, give like the traditional bridal shower gift. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe it'd be great if I could find a book the two of them could share together. And uh, I wandered through the bookstore and just couldn't find anything. Um, and every time I looked like in the human sexuality or um, the women's section, trying to find something maybe subtle, um, romantic or something that they could share together. Every time I saw a black woman or a black man, it was a taboo book. And it really sort of started to bother me because I was like, you know, there were titles like His Dark Secret or, or, or things like that. And I'm like, you know, are there no couples, black couples that have these, you know, these intimate sort of slightly erotic books that you could have and buy as a gift? And I just couldn't find one. And um, from there, the idea sort of sprang to life and um, 
I had always written poetry as, as a form of a journaling for myself and uh, expressing how I felt about things that I was going through or people that I had fallen in love with and, and had, you know, kept those notes and started to put them together and, and wanted to create this great picture book with beautiful words that sort of displayed um, something other than that his dark secret <laughs> um, that, that you saw in the bookstore. And, and and that's where the book sort of sprang to life. Um, and where my poetry is different, I know people are so very used to um, spoken word and, you know, these, these great poets that, that have this ability to rhyme. Um, my poetry is not like that. Um, my poetry is very open, um, free-flowing. It's just sort of ideas about what you might think and feel about when you're falling in love with someone or maybe at another stage in a relationship where you're already in love and you just can't get enough of that person. And even at the end of a relationship when you want to get over them and you feel that pain that the love might be dying, but you still want it back and you're trying to figure out what way how to hold on. Um, so the, the poetry is very, um, is very real. Um, it has a real sort of a gut sense to it about those uh, those different stages of love. That's awesome. So uh, how did you decide to publish your book? Did you go with a traditional publisher? Did you self-publish? Well, what was your thought process behind that as well? Well, it was just such a coincidence that I had been um, doing some reading of someone else's book and, and I saw um, there was a, a publishing company who's a great publisher. Say thanks to Andrea right now. Um, AJ publishing out of, out of Texas. And I found out that she's black owned uh, woman's business and um, that she worked with new authors who wanted to self publish, but maybe didn't know all the nuances and needed some help. And what she does is she co-publishes with you. So um, I looked her up and sent her a, a snippet of my book and, and the idea, and she loved it, and we worked together, and, and she helped me publish it. So it is self-publishing in a sense, but it was um, sort of assisted into self-publishing. Um, so it's been a great experience. I learned, you know, learned a whole other facet of life about what it takes to publish a book and get a book out there. So it's been phenomenal. Well, and then the challenging part, I think, about putting a book out is, ironically, not even the putting the book out part, right? It's the marketing the right. book. <laughs> so what if it's marketing the book, getting someone to see it, getting it to be noticed, um, mm -hmm. uh, getting getting the word out that you've written this great book and and how do you um, uh, tell people about it? And uh, so that's that's been interesting. Um, uh, you find out that there's all these great events and places that you can go, um, like the Black Authors Conference that they have every year um, in Texas in October. Uh, there's things like BookCon that I never even knew that existed. Um, just like Comic-Con, you know, publishers and writers um, come to big conventions and display their books and things like that. And, and you start to, you know, take that leap into the uh, marketing world for yourself. And it, it gets interesting. Well, and one of the things that I tell um, authors who come to me for editing and, and advice about publishing and marketing their book is it doesn't matter if you go with a traditional publisher or you self-publish, either way, you're going to have to learn to market. Absolutely. 
absolutely. Um, putting it out there and marketing and getting someone um, even to, you know, getting someone to review your book um, is big. Uh, so marketing is really important because if, if people aren't aware, they're not going to buy a copy. So you got to really get out there and promote yourself. Well, and that's, a, that's an uncomfortable place for a lot of people. Now you're, you're pretty high powered in, you know, VP of HR for a huge uh, physician group, you know, are, are very profitable physician groups. So you're probably used to promoting, but what's the difference between promoting Big someone time. else and promoting yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. So, so I, I'll tell you, it's, it's the first time someone actually started asking me questions about the book. It was very um, unsettling because you felt like I poured everything out of myself that I could pour into the pages of the book. And now you're asking me to explain it again. <laughs> um, and you have to sort of, you know, pass on your passion uh, for, for what you've written. And, and that's a new experience. And as time has gone on, I've, I've found myself to be a little more outspoken, uh, a little more um, creative when I talk to people about what I've written. Uh, so it was, it was, it took a little bit of time, even just from explaining the idea originally to my publisher. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, she's been great because she had a sense of vision, but I'm sure when I spoke to her initially, it didn't sound like I was too excited about it because I was trying to find a way to communicate what I had put together. Well, and that's really difficult too. I don't know if you, you find this, but I think that in some ways women and black women in particular, we're always kind of, what's the best way to say this? We're always caping for other people. We are always promoting other people. We are always Absolutely. trying to say how great somebody else is, how great this company is, how great whoever is or whatever they're doing is. And we rarely, I think, learn how to promote ourselves and focus on promoting ourselves in the same way. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. Um, in, in this whole process of, of writing the book and marketing the book and, and learning about um, different avenues when it came to publishing, I've met some really, really great black women who have um, businesses that are related to publishing and artwork and photography who are phenomenally creative, but you know, have difficulty talking about what they do and, and how well they do what they do. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Even for me, uh, you know, I could always say I'm this human resources professional, but it was, it took some adjustment to getting used to saying, yes, I'm an author. It, it took a while. I, I think I looked at the book when I got my first um, printed copy of it for about a week and couldn't believe that it was me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, and then publishing a book also makes you a business person. You're technically starting a business, business person. Right. And I think it's interesting from my perspective, it's always very interesting because I remember when I went and got my first business license, I never felt so proud of myself in my entire life as when I went and got my business license. I walked out with all my paperwork and everything paid to the city. And I was like, whoa, I'm a business owner. But when you write a book, when you publish a book, and even when you're holding the book in your hand, unless you've ahead of time said, oh, I am consciously starting a business and I'm going to go and do all those things that you do to start a business. A lot of people just kind of have a book and they're like going around trying to sell it. And they haven't really embraced that concept that that's what they're doing as well. 
Right. I, and I think I think what it is 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 this: you've had this mindset. Um, when you've worked for other people for so long, you're looking for someone to direct you uh, on the next phase that they don't really take the time um, out to really sort of look into what does it take to putting your book out there and, and getting folks to read it. Um, it's, I will be honest, it's been a real education. I, I thought I had um, some insight initially, which I did. And, you know, some of the things that I do in my job did relate, like understanding advertising and things like that. Um, but really looking into what it takes to uh, get readership for your book on like websites and blogs and Instagram and uh, book reviews and things like that. And even like for me, poetry contests um, uh, was a big thing. Uh, so, it's it's something you have to look at every direction, and you really got to sort of uh, take stock of the big picture and what it, what are you going to do to uh, get your your name and your book's title out there. Well, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest issues. Like, because when I consult with someone about um, about their book from an editing standpoint, one of the things I ask them is, okay, have you developed a marketing plan? And <laughs> most of them are like, huh you know, kind of deer caught in headlights. And in fact, I found that they get sometimes give me a little pushback on even having the discussion. But my theory is, and this is based on my personal experience as well as, you know, just what I've learned being in the industry the last seven years, that really you should have a parallel process going on. Basically, as soon as you've got a book cover, you should start marketing your book because you want to build that audience and you want to you know, get people excited about it so that when the book comes out, you've got some sales, right? Absolutely. And you want to even think about who do you want to read your book? Um, that was an initial process. Like, who was I actually writing this book for? Um, I had to ask myself that. Was I writing it for women? Was I writing it for men? Was I writing it for couples? And and really begin to build your marketing, you know, program around that and, and how to reach that that demographic and how to get your book in their hands. So you have to even just start from the basics of just figuring out who you're writing for. Well, and now that's going to bring me back to that trip to the bookstore in, in 2010 that you made. So you were looking for something romantic, right? Um, right. And when we say romantic, do we, do we mean erotic? Because we can say erotic too. That's where you, was it specifically uh, erotic? Sure, slightly erratic. Yep. Yeah, okay. slightly erratic. And well, and the reason I ask is because technically those could be two different markets, right? You know, um, absolutely. And so you have to have a clear understanding of what you're writing and who you're writing for in order to, like you said, to develop that marketing plan. When you started writing your book, who were you writing for? Did you even know at that time? Uh, well, I will tell you, it started out, I thought I was just writing a collection of love letters um, and thinking that, you know, something that would be for the poetry buffs and things like that. And then as the book evolved, I realized that there was a whole nother uh, side to writing um, the poetry that I was writing. Because a lot of times, and, and this was, I got this from a friend of mine, um, men want to say things, but don't know how to say things, and sometimes may even give it in a gift. So 
wouldn't it be great if the words that you were writing could be that gift to give someone the opportunity to um, express how they felt and or what they had felt or what they were feeling for someone. So I tried very hard as the book went along, not to make it male or female, but just about the emotion and about the feeling of love and um, the passion that happens when, when love develops. That's beautiful. So did you study the great poets or how did you, how did you get into specifically writing poetry? Did you, you know, you studied Shelley and Byron and all those guys or what? I, I had done some literature studying in, in school, but that wasn't what sold me on poetry. I, what sold me on poetry was uh, I was a college uh, junior and uh, someone had a crush on me and actually left me a poem under my dorm room door. And oh. I was just so fascinated by it that someone had taken this time to put this this word together that I just I fell in love with it and, and have been working and writing and reading and been addicted to poetry ever since. That is so sweet. That is so it was. Sweet. It was. It was amazing to me. And and that's part of where the birth of this book came from because it really doesn't take much, um, you know, to really express yourself, you know, jot a few lines um, down and, you know, remember how excited you were back in the day when we all got notes. Yeah, yep. <laughs> in school, and 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 it really is an expression of who you are. Putting those words on paper. Well, and I think I must be telling something about my age that I think that's really sweet. I think today I was just thinking, oh, today that would be considered stalkerish. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, exactly. And now we do it by text, but there are plenty of people I know who do text that way too oh. um and and text their feelings I've, I've seen that as well I, I had someone uh forward me a great text that they had gotten that someone had expressed their emotions by text so now it's instant you know we can send that out yeah that contributes to a lot of a lot of bad poetry although i think <laughs> i think even bad poetry is better than no poetry that's my personal opinion it's 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 just the thought that someone exactly. took the time to put the words down and and let you know uh, that's where they were at at that moment in time that someone stops that moment to think about you and and i've jotted my fair share of, of bad poetry uh <laughs> over the years so <laughs> i I'm, I'm a big believer in it but i also believe in singing loud and wrong so i don't know people may disagree with me about these things <laughs> No, I'm definitely a sing loud, sing wrong person <laughs> too. Um, yeah, that's where the emotion is. That's where the fun is. Exactly. It's about enjoying life and really savoring it and really digging into how you feel and giving that out there into the universe. I think that's good stuff. So speaking of which, would you be willing to share one of your poems with us? Sure. Absolutely. Um, one of my favorites in the book is, uh, Will You Read Me? And it's exactly about what we've been talking about today, about words and communication and things. And so I wrote, uh, my words are not given so freely, carelessly or unknowingly. There is true consideration for the message being communicated and the depth of the emotion behind it or missing from it that I convey to you. When I write to you, I write for you, I write about you, I feel each word, and my pen becomes an extension of my touch. 
I close my eyes and envision how you perceive, receive, and hear my thoughts. I feverishly write each line with the hope of giving you a very small piece of myself, verbally, literally, concretely, all of it inscribed to you in each text, poem, email, and brief message. How desperately I want you to sense me through my language and find intimacy with me in each word. Smart lines, clever humor, seductive sentences, and sharp quips to entice you is not who I am. I am wordy, poetic, verbose, multi-syllabic. I'm conversational, chatty, and a self-proclaimed lecturer. I'm a writer, a novelist, a speaker of my own truth, an amalgam of pages of unending paragraphs of compound sentences and edited grammar, all full of emotion, passion, anguish, energy, pain, dreams, darkness, masochism, obsession, and love. And that's just the beginning of uh, that poem. It goes on for a little bit more, but uh, that's how we are. Um, you become obsessed with the words and want to express so much um, that what you feel for that person and, and you put it out there all together and you want them to read you and see you. Like when you first fall in love with someone, that, 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 that almost obsessive energy where you can't stop thinking about them and you you're constantly turning over your brain everything that they've said to you and everything you've said to them and every moment. Right. You're replaying every scene in your head and, and wondering, did you say the right thing? Did I say it right? Did I tell it to them the right way? So that, do they get me? And so that's that passion that you have right in the beginning. That's beautiful. Beautiful. So you mentioned that um, you're a single mother and yep. um so do you, do you write things with, do you have one, two, I don't know how many children you have. Do you write things with your children, one child, do you write things with well, them and encourage them in this, in this pursuit? Well, the funny thing about it is, is I, I love poetry and I love words and my daughter actually, um, fell in love with words, but in a different way. So we do collaborate a little bit together sometimes on some things. My daughter is actually a singer. Um, so she loves to sing. And so, you know, she'll, she'll say, Hey mom, you know, I'm, I'm trying to write a song and I'm missing a word. Can you help me? And, and we work on things together that way. So it's been a lot of fun. Well, and you know, what's funny. I took a songwriting class, uh, some years ago and I really felt like it gave me a different way to think about poetry by taking that class and, and really studying how they put together songs. I did it out of curiosity more than anything else because I'm just one of those, like I said, I'm a geek. I like to learn different stuff, but I really felt like it gave me a different way of thinking about poetry, you know, and how I would put my poetry together. Well, I mean, let's face it, some of the best poets um, in, I think, in modern days, you're, you're talking about those who rhyme and rap and hip hop. I mean, you've, you've got it all. You've got some of the most amazing poets um, that, you know, that are today that maybe don't publish in the traditional form of poetry, but music um, it speaks to all of us in, in, in the way, in the artistry, and just in the rhyme and the rhythm of the poetry uh, set to music. Well, and it's it's interesting too, like you mentioned hip hop, because I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily associate hip hop and poetry unless it's someone like Kanye, who actually 
was a poet, basically, um, you know, a spoken right. word artist. But I think that what you are looking at really is a very modern type of street poetry. You know, when you're absolutely. Dealing. And maybe that's why I love I agree it so much. You. I love hip hop, man. I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> I think it it's has such life to it. And that's what poetry is. It, it paints such great imagery and such life and, and really makes you um, draw a mental picture. So when your words are that powerful and, and you can visualize what this artist is singing and writing about, that's, that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to, it's meant to reach you and touch you and grab you and pull you right in. So yeah, a lot of songs and great hip hop does that. Well, and what's interesting to me um, about the, the, music is that you're you know people get oh that's not music it you know back in my day you know we knew how to <laughs> love songs and this that and the other but i'm listening to some of the hip-hop coming out and a lot of these guys are actually singing love songs they're 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 rapping love songs <laughs> they're rapping right exactly in a very and it doesn't sound like what you would have heard in the 50s or 60s or 70s or even the 80s but it's got its own flavor and what do you think about the way that that form of communication kind of ties to poetry now i think i think it's part of the evolution of poetry i think um, that you're going to see it continue to uh, change and grow. And, and I'm waiting actually myself for the next great wave. Um, uh, you know, hip hop and um, rap uh, are great inspirations of mine. Um, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a big DMX fan. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Big DMX fan. And, and I love his, his alliteration. Um, he's able to do that in, in a powerful way, um, word after word after word, without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And that is a tremendous gift that somebody has. And I think it just speaks to the beauty of poetry itself and the power of poetry. Well, I think it's amazing the work that's being done. And I'd like to, I would love to see more collaboration actually with like traditional poets and music artists, you know, musical artists putting things together, especially for, I mean, a project like yours. Okay, this is just me. Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe we could develop the soundtrack. That'll be great. Wouldn't that be beautiful? A soundtrack to go with, the, with the book? Right. You know, that'd be terrific. A soundtrack. You've got all the romantic music to, to, to have that moment by. I think it'd be awesome. I think that's fabulous. 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 So we, we did talk a little bit before, and I do want to get into this a little about the actual publishing process. And you said that you did a co-publishing with your publisher. What does that look like? So, um, the process was actually very, um, I, I will say, measured, and and that was the great piece about working with a co-publisher, um, because I really had never uh, published a book before, and I didn't know what it take took to do that. Um, it, even down to things as small as 
I didn't know you had to register your book mm-hmm. um, and and get an ISBN number, um, you know, and, and how do you get a barcode on the back of your book and all those kind of things. And so that's what co-publishing brought for me. Uh, it wasn't this sort of me doing the seek and find and trying to figure out how to get my book um, out there. Uh, the co-publisher walked me through the process and we did it together. And yes, it, it did cost uh, a fee, but I felt that it was reasonable and the value that I got out of it was tremendous because it helped me avoid a lot of pitfalls in self-publishing that I, I, didn't, I didn't know about. Well, yeah, there are a lot of little details that it certainly helps to have somebody walk you through that process. And so it sounds like it was almost like a coaching that or a coaching program, or did you publish under her company name and you guys have like a split fee agreement or split? Um... Right. That's what I did. I published under her company's name um, and we have a split fee agreement. Um, and you know, here's one of the things that I was so grateful for having her help me was because when you print and publish to Amazon, which my book is available on Amazon, um, not knowing that you have to be able to print your book in a certain size or a certain type or a certain um, paper so that it can be printed and drop shipped to someone who orders the book. See, those are things I had never even considered Mm -hmm. when I was writing. Um, But, you know, when we were working on the photographs and the colors and things like that, that's what the co-publishing brought for me is that that sort of coaching and that walkthrough for all those things. And, and they kept their eye on all the things in the background that I really didn't know about. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And one of the things that makes that possible is the technology. I mean, there was a time when if you wanted one copy of your book, it was going to be like 40 bucks or 50 bucks for that one copy of your book. Right. You know, and now you can go through the process. You can buy your own copy to, to, um, right. To sell and market and have, right. Mm -hmm. Right. But you can get your proof copy for like, you know, maybe eight bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is. You know, it costs maybe less depending on how you're getting it. And then you can go through, make sure everything is the way you want it. And then actually push that out on print on demand and things of that nature. And that's what I think is really so great about print on demand also. Um, when you do that, just like that proof copy you're talking about, you really have control over it. And I think that's one of the most amazing parts about um, self-publishing. It's it's really a reflection of everything that you want it to be and what you want it to uh, demonstrate to your readership, um, that, that creativity. You have 100% control over it, and I think it's phenomenal. Well, and I think this is one of the reasons that, you know, when I talk with authors, I usually... And I encourage self-publishing. I know it's not the easiest road, but I look at it from a pragmatic standpoint, right? So if you want to go to a traditional publisher, there's every possibility that it will take you years to get published if you ever get published at all because of the gatekeeping process, because of the way that the actual process by which they do things, and because of how many manuscripts they get all the time. Right. As Absolutely. To- with self-publishing, you're, you've got complete control and you can just put your message out there. It's really democratized communications in a way that very little else has except maybe the internet itself. And 
I think if you're going to have to spend the time on the ground marketing your book anyway, whether you're <laughs> the traditional publisher or not, you may as well reap most of those financial rewards because the deals Absolutely. with traditional publishers are not as lucrative. So, you know. And the things you discover when you're self-publishing is that there are places, I think, to market your book that you never really thought to market your book. I mean, everybody always thinks traditionally, like, you know, I've got to go to the big box um, bookstore and, and get my book there. But there are so many other places that I uh, discovered in the process that actually wanted copies of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, actually a, a art gallery asked to sell my book um, because they were doing a display at the time for Valentine's Day of beautiful um, black uh, love paintings. And they wanted to sort of, you know, have the gifts, make it like a whole collection of gifts. So there's other ways to really sell your book that you really don't realize. Um, and and it was, it's was it been a great process to learn. So there's lots of ways to get your book sold. It's not just uh, the regular bookstore. That's beautiful. That's absolutely amazing. And it does give you a lot of opportunity to be creative, to connect with people at a different level. I mean, my favorite thing is just going out and meeting people. Live events are my jam. (laughs) I love being out there just meeting people and, and, and introducing them to my work. You know, and I think that's a different level of connection, much more one-on-one kind of connection with people. How do you, and you, You'd be surprised how many people connect with your work and, um, and word of mouth is tremendous. Um, and, and you'd be surprised how many people will pass along your book. Um, I got one great review, um, and, uh, picked up uh, quite a few sales right after that from a person who said, send me your book. I want to read it and I'll post a review. You'd be surprised, um, how quickly uh, word spreads. So getting out there and meeting with people and, and, and just sort of, uh, showing them who you are and, and what you were trying to convey when you wrote this book and they, they get a real sense of, of you as a writer and as a person. And it really uh, does a lot just just to market your own book. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I'm I'm always glad to see us telling our own stories because I think, you know, one of the challenges that I have is I I see so many, yeah, I'm a big movie person and I see so many films where it's like stories about black folks, but they're told from other people's perspectives and or or someone coming into our community telling a story about our community or in some way and i those stories are valid i don't want to invalidate those stories but it's the interpretation is sometimes off a little bit about what's going on and on top of it when you have this person coming in and i this is a big pet peeve of mine about some of the literature that's out there and um I could mention a book or two and you'd be like, yeah, I, I get it. Uh, <laughs> like the help is one of those. The help, <laughs> sure. right. the help is one of those. Mm-hmm. You know, the white girl decides she wants to do something and she disrupts everybody's life, you know, and causes a lot of problems. And you could argue, well, those problems were there anyway and needed to be dealt with. But I think there's a very particular point of view that comes across in those kinds of um, stories. Absolutely. Uh, the Secret Life of Bees, the same type of thing, you know, where where a white girl comes in and causes all kinds of chaos and mayhem. And for us to tell our stories, 
I think it can come from a more centered place. It, even if it is telling stories of drama and chaos, I think it comes from a more centered play, place, a more grounded place, and with a clear understanding of all parties involved, you know, and how the interactions oh. are. Absolutely. I mean, our stories are so very different and our perspective is so very different um, in a lot of ways on various topics because our historical experience is different. So when you're when you're having someone else sort of, you know, paint our picture, it's never really going to be as it was through our eyes because they they didn't have the opportunity to experience it as we do. And and I think that's something that we as a people need to sort of look at. We can't leave other people to tell our stories. Um, we're the ones who lived it and experienced it and felt it and, and, and felt it in a way that's very different. And, and telling our story is really important. Well, I think it's fabulous. I love that you are telling the stories of love through poetry. I think that's amazing. And Black love in particular poetry. I have decided that Black love is probably one of the most revolutionary acts that we can commit right now. <laughs> that is Absolutely. My, my feelings. Thank you very much for sharing those stories and those poems with us. And um, oh, thank you. Where can people connect with you? Uh, well, I, the book is available on Amazon Kindle. Um, I also have a Facebook page under Sefwa Noir. Um, please share your love stories. I would love, I, I love a good love story. Love to hear about that, that beautiful, strong black love. Share pictures um, because in the book are all beautiful uh, black and white images of black couples. And the beauty of that and that connection, please uh, look for me on Facebook and on Instagram under Sefwa Noir. Awesome. Awesome. And you have another book coming out, don't you? I do. I do. And I'm very excited uh, for next year, first of the year. Uh, the next chapter is um, in the book following this one, Drops in Black Sand, will be Black Reverence. Um, so very excited. I, I've got actual everyday people who have uh, come forward and, and wanted to be photographed and wanted to show uh, that beauty of, of our people. So I'm very excited about it. That's beautiful, beautiful. So do you know, do you have a drop date on that one or is it, we just look for it around January or? Just look, just look for it about January, February. Yeah, about that time. Awesome, awesome. Tammy Hobson, thank you so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Thank you, Michelle, really appreciate it. And we're gonna be doing something a little different this week. Julia Black and I normally have an episode of True Talk. But we decided that the topic we wanted to cover was so big that we would have a separate True Talk episode. It's going to be its own separate piece. So make sure that you listen to that. It's available on the Somewhere in the Middle podcast.com. Make sure you check that out. That's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you listen to the show on November 8, 2019, when my guest will be Sherry Hill, author and mother of the late New England Patriots player Marquise Hill. 
You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain faithful. Peace and blessings, y'all.